Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Kate, what is the most popular course we've ever had on our education site? I'd have to say by a long way, Owen, it's our ETF, Exchange Traded Fund Beginners Course. Yep. So this is the course where we teach people everything there is to know about ETFs, everything you should know at ETFs before you invest. Yeah. There's a lot you can know. There's like You could study this for thousands of hours, but at the end of the day, there's really just some simple fundamentals investors need to know before they get started with exchange-traded funds, which is what we cover in that course. Yep. So ETFs, Kate, you said exchange-traded fund. Just really quickly, because we've covered this in our other yep. Starter Pack episodes, what is an ETF? Yeah, so you can even break the words up. It's on the exchange, so that's the Australian Stock Exchange we mentioned, ASX, which is the market. Um, That's where you can buy and sell. It's traded, so you can buy and sell units of it same Mm -hmm. day. Um, It's very liquid, as in you don't have to wait months for a real estate agent to sell it. You can just go into your account yourself without anyone else there, place a buy order or place a sell order. So. And then it's also a fund. So instead of having to buy an individual share like Telstra or BHP or Apple or Disney, whatever it is, I keep coming back to Disney because I love love yep. Disney Plus. Um, but you can just buy this fund that does it for you. So like the basket we mentioned in the last episode, instead of having to decide which of the top 200 Australian companies to buy, you just get all of the top 200 companies to buy in one single trade. And that might be through an exchange-traded fund like A200. And we'll start introducing some names of ETF providers because someone actually does this job for you. Mm -hmm. It's not just sort of magically happening. Um, There's different people available and different products out there that suit many different needs. So it's definitely not one size fits all. You don't just go looking for an ETF. You need to have a little bit of purpose behind it. Yeah, we'll explain in this very short episode what ETFs are. Well, Kate just did a fantastic job of that. Why do we like them? What's the catch? How do you find ETFs to buy? Like which ones you should invest in and which ones you shouldn't. And that's about it. It's a very quick punchy episode because that's what ETF investing is. It is a quick and easy way to get exposure to investing for the long term. The the catch is there's one hurdle you need to overcome, just this little thing you need to do, which is open your brokerage account. Yes, that is the the barrier to entry here. So basically your brokerage account is your gateway to a lot of investing. Almost everything that can be invested in can be invested in via a brokerage account. It might not be exactly what you want. For example, if you're trying to buy a house, you can still invest in property. You just might not be able to invest in an individual home. You might have to Mm. invest in an office building, like a very small part of that fire brokerage account. So no matter what, it makes sense to get a brokerage account. We've already uh, already suggested you look at uh, Perla, Stake, SelfWealth and Comsec, which are probably the four biggest in our community um, as voted by our community. So go and check out those four. You can have more than one account. Uh, There's no penalty for opening extra. They shouldn't charge you just for opening an account. So Kate, you've already talked about these ETFs being like a basket. You kind of just get the basket and you get a tiny little bit of everything inside the basket ready to go. I've got two questions for you, which I think are on the tips of everyone's tongues. Uh, how much does it cost me to invest in one of these things? That's the first thing. Yep. Um, and who do I have to, why, why are these things existing? Like surely someone needs to get paid. Yeah. So the first cost is a brokerage cost. So when you open one of the accounts that we mentioned, there's a transaction fee for doing this. So there's a buy fee and a sell fee. Mm-hmm. So 
um, instead of just going to the supermarket and buying all these goods, you kind of pay them a fee to put it all together in a basket for you and run it. So there's companies out there, um, large ETF providers. Um, you'll start to get familiar with names like Vanguard, BetaShares, iShares slash BlackRock, yep. um, ETF Spider. Securities, S- S- Spider. SPD, I, I, Spider S. S- P-D- S-P-D-R, Spider. Yeah. That's how it's said for short. Sorry, guys. And then there's Vanek. Yes. As ETF Securities, which we mentioned, who also happened to sponsor our Australian Finance podcast. Um, and then there are a bunch of little ones too, like Magellan mm. does another one where they've got a couple of ETFs. Um, and so there are a lot of smaller ones as well, but those are the major ones. So we've yeah. got Vanguard, Spider, uh, BlackRock, uh, yeah. Vanek, ETF Securities, beta shares. Yeah, so I'll just be super clear here. So the first thing you'll do is pay a brokerage fee. So fee to buy and sell it, and that will be with stake or Comsec, wherever you set your brokerage account. So that's one fee. And the second fee you need to know about is the management fee for the ETF. And that will be charged. So the first fee is charged by stake or Comsec, whoever do the transaction for you. And the second fee is the management fee, which mm. is charged by Vanguard, the person who actually puts that basket together. So yeah, the first platform helps you buy and sell it, the brokerage account and the broker fee. And the second platform is the people that actually put the the ETF together for you and allow you to purchase Mm. units in it. And they do the whole management of that. And that's called the management fee. So one fee, um, the brokerage fee, you'll just pay every time you buy and sell. So if you only buy once, you only pay that fee once. And if you never sell, you never have to pay a second fee, yep. but most of us are investing on a regular basis. So we'll, we'll see brokered fees on a regular basis. And so that might be like $10, yeah. for example. So if you, so if you, this just, just to be clear here, if you buy this, this is added on top. So for example, if you want $500 worth of shares, you need to have $510 in your brokerage account so that the $10 covers the brokerage. Yes. And that's, that's basically because the minimum is $500 for, for most brokers and for most investments. So 500 bucks is what you need plus the $10. Um, and that's automatically taken out. And the other fee, Kate, that management fee, which doesn't go to the broker, it goes to the company that provides the ETF. Yeah, to Vanguard or BetaShares, whoever packaged it together. And, and one of the ETFs I mention quite often, which is A200, they charge a management fee which is it's run by a company called BetaShares of 0.07% per year. So if you invested $1,000 in A200, you'd be paying just 70 cents a year. And that comes out of the unit price. So you don't have to pay an invoice for this fee. They automatically take it out for you. How nice of them. Yes. So that's automatically adjusted. So when you log into your brokerage account, if you just had the A200 ETF and you put $1,000 in it today, and the price of that did not change from 12 months from today, you would be 70, 70 cents <laughs> less rich. <laughs> so yeah. you, would have, you would have that 70 cents automatically adjusted. Uh, the, the, the A200 share price would automatically fall by 70 cents. And so that's automatically taken out. So you don't have to worry necessarily about that fee at all, like other than just picking an ETF that is low cost. And by the way, 0.0. Yeah. If you're seeing 0. over 1%, yeah. I'd start to question what they're doing and are you actually getting a benefit for this? Some, yeah. we haven't mentioned it, but there's some more active ETFs that take a slightly different approach and they might be charging above 1%. But yeah. I definitely think twice before just automatically investing in one of those. If you're looking for some low-cost ETFs that just track the top 200 Australian companies or the top 500 US companies, 
it should be under 1%. Definitely. So, Kate, real quick, why do we like ETFs? Like what are the, I guess, four or five things that you think of when you think of ETFs and why they're good, particularly for newer investors? The first reason I love ETFs is because they're super easy to get started investing with. Instead of having to make a million decisions on what companies you want to add to your portfolio, you can just say, I actually, I like Australia. I like Australian businesses. I want to invest in the best, best of the best, the top 200 Australian businesses that Mm -hmm. are listed on the market. So instead of having to make a million and one decisions, I can just place one trade and bam, I'm invested in the Australian market. And I can do that with any other market. And broadly, they do what they say they do on the tin. So if it says it's invested in the top 200 Australian companies, it's generally invested in top 200 Australian companies. Yeah. And so are ETFs good investments? They're not. So I, there's, we can't really say ETFs are all great because there's so many different ETFs now that they're packaged up in a million and one different ways. So there's some very... I don't know, niche products out there now, but generally the large ETFs that form part of your portfolio, like the top 200 Australian companies run by Vanguard or Beta Shares, they're a great part of a core portfolio. Yeah. So what we mean by that is if you're starting out and you're looking to build like a defensive part of your like structure, you want to start by building that part of your, your portfolio first, which is what we think you should do you can identify a handful of these ETFs and they actually are really good. So the way I like to think about ETFs is almost like a ready-made meal. Sometimes you can eat junk food and you don't want those. You want the ones that are, you know, a ready-made meal, but it's still good for you and it's low cost. And so there are a lot of ETFs out there that are low cost, that are good for the long term. You just got to know which ones to pick and we'll talk about that in just a second. But Kate, people often say that ETFs are transparent. What does that mean? So... Sometimes you wonder what's actually happening in a fund, but with exchange-traded funds, you can easily at any point go onto their website and look at what they're invested in. So they'll tell you exactly what companies they're invested in Mm. or if they're invested in other types of investments that we've mentioned, it will all clearly be mentioned there. So there's no no guessing anymore. You know what's under that fund and you can actually have a look at the whole list. So Mm. I think that makes it really transparent because if you don't want to invest in particular industries or there's particular companies you really don't want to be invested in, you can actually go through that list, control F and see if that company's name's there. Yep. So you can go, say if you're invested in the beta shares, A200 ETF, you can go to the beta shares website and it will show you which shares are inside it. Yeah. If you're invested in the iShares S&P 500 ETF or IVV for short, you can go to the iShares website and it'll show you which 500 shares are inside it. Okay, great. So um, what about then, so that we've, I guess the thing is we've already mentioned they're low cost. So I guess yeah. that's a benefit, right? Like in the past, people might pay one or 2% per year, but now they can pay, as you just said, as low as 0.07%. Um, in the US, many ETFs are actually free because what they do is the brokers actually make money in other ways from what you're doing. And the reason they can be so low cost is because there's not... You don't need a whole heap of professionals making decisions on, oh, is this company better than this company or will this company look better in 10 years than this one? They follow um, what's called an index and I don't think we've mentioned this yet but the index might be the top 200 Australian companies and they just follow along. Whatever's in that 200, they just go and buy. They follow a recipe and that's often the computer system is doing buys and sells and things like this. So it can be... 
fairly automated and it's what we call a passive investment strategy. So they're not trying to outperform anybody. They're just doing what they say they're going to do and following a list. And so if a company in Australia grows um, and becomes part of the top 200 companies, it'll automatically get added in. So even though you buy this ETF today and you hold it for 20 years, in 20 years time, if you go and look at that top 100 holdings list, it might look completely different to what it looks like today. But the great thing is you don't actually have to do anything. The ETF Mm. provider will automatically (laughs) add these companies and take them out over time. And so you don't get left behind as uh, the economy grows and companies get started and companies close down. This automatically happens for you. Yeah. So that's that's why they can be low cost. And so if I own an ETF, does that mean I shouldn't own individual shares? Well, like everything we're going to talk to you, it's not all or nothing. So like um, Owen and I both include exchange traded funds, ETFs in our portfolio, but we also invest in other things. Owen invests in property. I invest in other individual shares and manage funds. So they can form, they can absolutely be the whole of your portfolio. So mm. many of our listeners will invest 100% of their money into ETFs because you can ETFs can be whatever you need. You can find ETFs that invest in property or international companies or bonds. Or gold. Or gold. Or cryptocurrencies. Yeah, there's an ETF for everything nowadays. So you can use them as a really easy way to sort of fit that jigsaw puzzle together and build a portfolio. But you're also just as easily able to use them as part of your portfolio and then also add your own investments around them. Mm. And so they're a great way to sort of like piece your portfolio together without having to be too active in all parts because we can't keep on top of everything at all the time. Like a lot of us, even if we want to invest in individual Australian businesses, um, we might not Mm. want to invest in individual US businesses because that's a whole different ball game. So we might pick a few Australian companies, but use an US ETF that invests in the top 500 US companies to give us that exposure in our portfolio. Yep. So that's and that's again the the be- one of the great benefits of mm. having um, ETFs in Australia. They go and do all that kind yep. of paperwork for you. So there are a few catches when it comes to investing in ETFs. Um, there are risks, as we mentioned. Some of them won't perform as well as you think, and yeah. some of them are, have higher fees, so they take more away from you. Some ETFs also don't necessarily invest in things that you want to be invested in. So some of them, you know, you don't want to go and buy a gold ETF if you're not interested in investing in gold or you don't want to invest um, in five different ETFs that do the same thing. Yeah. So there are risks there. Then there are also risks depending on like who runs the ETF and all these types of things, right? Yeah. So as we mentioned a couple of names before, BetaShares, Vanguard, there's a whole heap of companies that run ETFs in Australia and globally. And generally, we want to be invested in ETFs that are run by well-established companies that have all of their um, rules in place. They've got their team in place. They know what they're doing and they have that experience. And most of the ETFs we mentioned on the show are from these larger companies. And in Australia, most of the companies are quite large and reputable, which is really good. Makes yeah. it easier. So the names that we mentioned, um, Vanek, BetaShares, Spider, BlackRock. Um, what have I missed? Vanguard. Vanguard. Um, ETF Securities, these names, Magellan, all of these names that we've mentioned are all really reputable. They're yeah. all r- regulated by ASIC. Um, there are some others, by the way, but those are the main ones mm. that we can think of off the top of our head. They're 
all regulated by ASIC. That doesn't mean they're going to be good investments. It just means that there is someone watching over their shoulder to make sure they're doing the right thing and um, making sure they operate correctly. Yeah, and there's a lot of bus, a lot of hoops they have to jump through before yeah. they can be listed on this marketplace we've mentioned. So yep. there's quite a lot of steps involved because they have to be able to show they can run it properly. Yep. So let's just talk about some things that I would look for before we invest in ETFs. I'm going to give you the short version because we've done full episodes on this in the past. And you can also visit our website, Best ETFs. That's just the word best with ETFs in the URL. That's where you can find all the information on this. We also have our free ETF investing course on RASC education, which as Kate said, is the most popular by far course we've ever launched. Yeah, and thousands of other Australians have used this course to get started investing in ETFs. So many thousands. So you can go and check that out. Um, It's a totally free course. So the first thing that I would look at is basically what does the ETF do? So this is what we call the strategy. So you mentioned A200, which is the BetaShares A200 ETF. It's a ETF I own shares in at the time of recording. And that invests in 200 of Australia's biggest companies. That's it. That's the strategy. So, so if I owned that ETF, I then wouldn't need to go and buy another ETF that does exactly the same thing. So just pay attention to the strategy and where it's investing. So there are ETFs that invest in India, for example. So you don't want to have five ETFs all invested in India. Yeah. Make sure you, ha- you are well diversified. And to find this out, you would go to the provider's website by typing in like beta shares in Google and going to their website clicking on an ETF and it'll say something like index or objective or the aim of this fund is to, and there'll be a fact sheet and a product disclosure statement. And you can look at all these documents to get a better idea of what it's doing, as well as you can look at the companies that it's invested in. Although like you might not recognize some names if it's quite niche. Yeah. Um, The other thing is the ETF issuer. So if there was, for example, an ETF called the Vanguard Australian Shares ETF, that's actually the name of an ETF, Vanguard Australian Shares ETF, and it goes under the ticker symbol VAS. That's the symbol that identifies that investment on the stock market. The Vanguard part of the Vanguard Australian Shares ETF tells you which issuer it is. So if it's you know Vanguard Australian Shares ETF, if it's the Beta Shares A200 ETF, or if it's the you know iShares S&P 500 ETF, that tells you which provider it is. So iShares, Beta Shares, Vanguard. ETF Securities, FANG ETF. You know, you can go to the website of that provider and see who's running the show. It's very simple. Um, we, you know, it's very unlikely that these providers will go bankrupt because they're profitable. They're also regulated by ASIC, which is our watchdog. The ETF size is less important these days, but it was important in the past. So in the past, if an ETF was really new, you might not want to invest in it because Pardon me, that ETF might be closed by the ETF provider. But now that's very unlikely. Mm. Most of these ETFs um, and their providers are pretty well run. So they're not going to close it. And even if they do, it's not the end of the world. So number four would be the fees and costs. Yeah. So this is something you can control when you're investing. You don't exactly know what the market's going to do over the next Mm. few years, but you can look at the fees, um, which is the brokerage fee firstly for the platform you're using and then the management fee. So if you look up the... ETF, or you Google BetaShares or Vanguard and you look at VDHG or A200 and it will tell you what the management fee is. And then sometimes they even give you an example of what that will be over the year or you can just look at like percentage fee calculator or something like that on Google yeah. um, and do a quick calculation of what's 1% if I invest $1,000 or 
yep. um, anything like that. And so actually looking for a low cost ETF and usually by that we mean definitely under 0.5%. But if you want to invest in a slightly more thematic ETF um, and by that I mean you want to invest in a particular theme or sector like the robotics industry or crypto or whatever it is you want to invest in, they may have slightly higher management fees because they're doing something that requires a bit more work. So the the fifth thing would be performance and risks. So performance, just look at it over a longer period of time. So at least three to five years. Um, Don't look at the performance of an ETF over a month, six months, a year. That will lead you astray. You'll start to then chase the performance of high performing ETFs, which is the wrong thing because normally they perform well one year and the next year they're down. We've got some episodes with Ted Richards and also Dr. Daniel Crosby, who are behavioral finance experts. And we've talked to them on the podcast before. So go back and have a look at those. The reality is you shouldn't be investing in ETF if you have less than, say, three years to invest. So keep that in the back of your mind. Um, do not necessarily take past performance to mean this is going to happen in the future. Just because an ETF performed well last year doesn't mean next year it's going yeah. to do the same. And certain industries and asset classes like the Australian market has performed really well over the last decade. But who knows if it will do the same thing over the next decade and investing mm. The past doesn't equal the future. It sometimes can inform, but you don't just go, oh, well, this ETF did 100% last year, which sometimes there's ETFs that are in particular industries or thematics that do really well in one year, but it doesn't mean really anything for the next 12 years. Mm, Indeed. So the next thing is we've already kind of touched on this, which is portfolio allocation. And what that is a fancy way of saying is Portfolio allocation is about how much do you have invested where. So if you're in Australia and let's say you are a younger person, you and by that I mean anyone less than 40, you might be inclined to have a slightly more aggressive portfolio. So you might have 60, 70 or even 80% of your money invested in ETFs that are focused on the share market. So that might be some of the ETFs that we've already mentioned, but then you still want to have some of your money invested in bonds or cash Mm. or defensive options. You can also do that via ETFs. Just like your super fund would give you an investment option, you can build that yourself inside your brokerage account. And so that's an opportunity for you to grow your wealth and grow it with a balanced portfolio. Um, In academic theory, there's this rule that you would have 60% of your money in stocks and 40% in bonds to put that in kind of ETF terms, you would have 60% bond ETF, uh, 60% stock ETFs and 40% bond ETFs. And you'd kind of match it like that. The other thing that I would say is a core and satellite portfolio. You basically build your core out of strong, low cost ETFs, and then you build the more risky options around the outside, yeah. which is this last thing, which is number seven. If you're thinking about, if you're thinking about alternative type investments, or all, um, more risky investments, there are these things called thematic ETFs. Can you explain what a thematic ETF is and why this is important? Absolutely. So a thematic ETF might be a particular industry or theme that you think is really going to do well over the next couple of years. And they're a way you can take a little bit more of a, I don't know, a active approach to investing, but still using ETFs. So there might be one, well, there is one in Australia, Robo, that invests in robotics companies. There's one called ACDC, which gives you exposure to the lithium industry, I believe. Um, There's even like there's gold. I mean, some might call that thematic. Um, There's like BetaShares have just launched a a crypto ETF. So there's a lot of different things out there that you can um, have your core ETF and just have your stable, um, your Australian, Australian, US, maybe some bonds and then you can maybe 
with 10% of your portfolio, you can invest in, you can have a little bit more of an opinion, like express your point yeah. of view a bit more. Yeah. So this is basically saying, have your plan B, which is like the boring stuff, and then have your exciting stuff on the side, which is what we call thematics. So if you're investing in a thematic, you'll know it you'll, when you'll see it in the wild, because it will look exciting, it will sound interesting, and it'll have really good marketing. Yeah. So, and the chart might look very different. There might be a lot of ups and downs yes. in a thematic ETF. And it, they're not always the things to be in forever. Sometimes that theme might work really well for it five or 10 years and then it might yep. not be the place to be for the next 10 years after that. Yeah, that's the thing. So what we find is that um, thematic ETFs are good for a, uh, they're for a good time, not a long time. So what that means is if you're investing in something, say like robotics, robotics is really interesting now, maybe it's not interesting in the future. Mm. And this would be like if we go back to our, you know, shop a supermarket example this would be like going down the the dairy aisle and picking out all the camembert cheese because camembert cheese is really interesting right now but it might not be interesting tomorrow pick the kind of all-rounders for your your fridge at home but then you know on an occasion you can go and splurge on some of those individual things so kate the key the key takeaway from this episode is basically get started now um, and so how do you get started in ETFs now? Yeah, the first thing to do if you haven't already opening a brokerage account with any of those providers that we've mentioned before, State, Comsec, Perla, Self-Wealth, just get started. Start adding some ETFs to your watch list. If you want some inspiration, head to bestetfs.com.au. Um, you can have a look at um, our research on ETFs there. Uh, head to the provider's website. That is one way, like, I got started. I just spent hours <laughs> trawling through like Vanguard, BetaShare, VanX websites and just looking at all the different options out there because you'll start to realize the world is really big. Yep. Uh, you can get paralyzed by choice though. So maybe just think, what do I want to start with? Okay, I, just to begin with, I want some exposure to Australian businesses. And then as you look through all of the different websites and resources, you can learn all about the different ETFs out there that give you exposure to the top 200 Australian companies. And that might be a really good starting point because some mm -hmm. of the ETF providers have like 10, 20, 30 plus ETFs now, just because there's so many different themes or possibilities to invest in. And because they're becoming a more popular way to invest, more and more are becoming available, which is great as yep. consumers. We've got a lot of choice now. So I think the most important thing to open the brokerage account, explore different ETFs, add some to your watch list and maybe even have a go putting $500 in one, um, just a core, a more stable ETF, not going crazy for your very first purchase and just getting a feel mm. for the whole process. Yeah, you can do that right away with up to, you know, start with 500 bucks, go and give it a crack. It's really not that complicated. Once you've set up your brokerage account, you can just search for the ETFs. As Kate said, use that best ETFs website. The hardest part is getting started. If you don't understand what the ETF is doing, use the PDS. That's called the Product Disclosure Statement. It's available on the issuer's website. So for an example, let's take BetaShares A200 ETF. If you want to go and invest in that ETF, but you're not sure exactly what it does, go to the BetaShares website and find the PDS for the A200 ETF and it'll tell you exactly what's going on and what you're up for. And if you have questions after reading that document, because it is supposed to be understandable for consumers, it's sometimes filled with a lot of legal jargon, but give them a call. Like the ETF providers all have teams that 
answer your questions. Give, send them an email, flick them a message. All of them active on socials now. So ask your questions and make sure you clarify them and don't sit on these questions for a year. Yeah. Like don't let one question hold you back from getting started. There is a lot of help out there, whether it's doing our free ETF investing course, heading to best ETFs, talking to the provider, even talking to your broker. A lot of them will answer questions and have resources on ETFs. So, um, yep. and even our Facebook community, our Facebook jump in there. Facebook group is a great place. Yeah, it's totally free. Go and check that out. Yeah. Um, that's a really easy way to get your questions answered because the community is really helpful. We so the, find yeah, great the information in is out there. You just need to spend a bit of time putting it all together. Yep. And if there's one action point for advanced users in this, it would be that go and review your ETF portfolio. I know what it's like. You get sucked in by the latest exciting thing. We get a lot of our members at Rask write in to say, hey, guys. I started with five ETFs. Now I've got 15. Is that too many? And then, and I say, well, it looks like you've got about three of the same thing. Yeah. So maybe it's time for a bit of a clean out of the closet. And what you do is you basically look at your portfolio. You go, okay, I've got this much invested in shares or share ETFs and this much invested in bond ETFs. I'm just going to clean that out. I'm going to stick with a handful. I think five ETFs is a good amount to build that core. And then all that tactical thematic stuff we talked about, that special honey on top, that yeah. extra exciting bit. Um, that, the toppings at Yochi. Yeah, that's the toppings at Yochi. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's the stuff that you can then play around with a bit more. You yeah. can even separate that. You can have, when you do this, you can put all of your low-cost ETFs in one brokerage account. You can go and join another broker and start doing more exciting stuff in there. Just keep yeah. adding to that low-cost. I mean, I personally pool. like to keep them separate because my ETF portfolio is that stable, long-term, 20-year timeframe approach. And my other portfolio, I might be taking sort of higher risk positions in individual Australian businesses. So I like, I personally like to keep it separate just so uh, it doesn't get all mixed up in my mind. Yep. Cool. So we've got heaps of great information in this episode. We've talked about ETF investing. We've talked about what it is, how you can get started with 500 bucks, how the fees are calculated, why you need a brokerage account to get started, a checklist for getting you there. We've also referenced two important resources, one being um, our ETF investing course, the other one being the best ETF site if you want to find out some information on ETFs. And of course, you can go to the ETF provider's website directly. Kate, as always, this is a fantastic starter pack episode on ETF investing. Thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rusk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au.